Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, it's Super 8! Why are we doing Super 8? Because it's turning 10 years old. That's right, 2011 was 10 years ago. Ooh, Uchi Mama, that's a long time back. And everyone in this room is grimacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first grimace belongs to our guest who has not seen the film. It is uh, Science's own, Kato Sullivan. I'm back, yay, it's me. Why Why is that 10 years ago? That's not okay. I'm, oh, yep, 2011, 10 I, years ago. I got my first degree then. I'm on my fourth now. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, how are you doing, Kate? I'm okay. I'm in the middle of like almost hitting tech week for a show and in the middle of my prac placements for uni. So just kind of a bit like, mm, sleep, that's that's a thing. Mm. But otherwise, pretty good. Excited to watch a film and like not think about anything else for the next couple of hours. What do you know about Super 8? Not a lot. Okay. Um, I like can see the sort of paused screen in front of me and I'm like, oh yeah, vaguely remember seeing this image for the film. But yep, that... Went straight past me, I think. Mm. So you've, you've not picked it up. It's not been in your zeitgeist since. No, no. not really. Beautiful. So wonderfully um, nothing. Yeah. So so it is directed by J.J. Abrams. Mm. Um, are, are you a fan of his work in general? His uh, his work on the Star Wars and the Star Trek and let's let's go with mixed feelings. Mixed Lost. feelings. Lost. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mixed feelings. Mission think Impossible. It's mystery box. Mm. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, yes, you did do that. I thought things about that film or what? Like, mm. it, I, and honestly, the same kind of goes for a lot. The same statement can go for a lot of his work, which is just like, oh, cool. You did some things that were very interesting and some things where I'm like, why, though? Mm. Well, we'll see where Super 8 lands yeah. <laughs> uh, once we finish watching it. Fortunately, we do have somebody who has seen the film, yeah. and it is uh, Comedy's own Dean Lovett. Yeah, g'day, you bloody... Uh, hi. Yeah, we're, we're rolling in the aisles already, Dean, yeah, but... Hey, uh, Super 8. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Excellent. I'm, all, uh, I'm also quite busy. I'm in the middle of moving from a house that I've lived in for nine years into a tiny little apartment, and uh, that's a lot of... Money and time and mm. throwing things out and it's it'll all be for the best. Though. Mm. You've been in that house almost as long as Super Eight's been out. <laughs> Maybe I watched that. I remember I watched Super Eight while I was in that house. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so in a vague and spoilery sort of way, what can people like Kate who've not seen this film expect from Super Eight? Okay, I'm going to start by prefacing that I have not watched this film in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember liking it when I did first see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's it's very much J.J. Abrams before he kind of. Uh, got a reputation for very much doing the same thing many times. Uh, this was before like um, Stranger Things, so before mm. that kind of throwback genre became came back into the zeitgeist. Mm. Uh, you can see on the description there, it's uh, J.J. Abrams and Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg produced it. Mm. I don't believe he had too much of a creative hand, um, but this is de- very much you'll find you'll see it's a homage to like. E.T., you know, uh, you know those kind of older... Third Encounters. Oh, sorry, know, Close like, Encounters of the Third Kind. kind. Well, yeah. Not know, Third the, Encounters those of the ones Close that, you Kind. Know, the kids get together and they have to save mm. the small town from some weird... Tomorrow like, when the war began. Like the, half the, of the... Yeah, the Goonies. Goonies kind of yeah. comes to yeah. mind, you know. Mm. Uh, and, and it does it very well. I remember watching this and thinking, he really gets... He knows his genre. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it seems like in years since, we've realised he's very good at replicating other stuff rather than kind of really reinventing the wheel in any way. Mm. He, I think he's a very competent director. Mm. Um, I don't think he's done anything truly bad with the exception of some things more recently to do in the Star Wars universe, which I could also imagine aren't really his fault. But mm. generally, group of kids... Strange things start happening, but not stranger things. No, 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 no just just strange. Strange things. Strange. Yeah. You will see a lot of parallels, but just remember this came out first. Okay. Uh, Super Eight, of course, it's named after the old Super Eight cameras, so mm. it's kind of it's, it's almost a it very much seems like a love letter to that kind of oldest time film. Um, it's it's well done. I, I I really quite like it. I still remember the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't spoil, but I still remember thinking that was a that was a clever ending. That was a you know it could have been something different. Um, yeah, I don't remember incredibly specific plot details. Mm. But you remember a feeling of, 
that was good. Yeah, I remember watching it and thinking, J.J. Abrams is all right. I hadn't watched Lost at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I didn't, still haven't. Um, <laughs> but I remember thinking, yeah, this guy's all right. He's got some chops and I, you, you will get what he's going for. And I think he achieves what he was setting out to achieve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch Super 8? Let's do it. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Super eight. Yeah. Super eight. For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare for a lot of lens flare as we watch Super Eight. Hello everybody and welcome back. We have just finished watching Stranger Things. I mean, Super 8. <laughs> you uh, wouldn't know it. No, and uh, joining me as uh, as about 30 seconds ago for you listening at home, uh, we have Dean Lovett. G'day. And we have Kato Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Kate, that was your first time watching Super 8. What did you think? So much lens flare. Um, it was fun though. I'm... I think this is the situation where I'm glad, like, where having knowing nothing about it was probably to my benefit watching this film. I think if I'd come in with any preconceptions about what it was, mm. I don't know that I would have. I was, uh, yeah, I, I didn't you know? even want to mention, I don't even know if you knew, but like, I didn't even want to mention there was a train crash because I knew if you didn't know that, you'd be like, wait, what the hell? Mm. Also, the train crash. What? It's so it's so extra. It's yeah. so extra. Yeah, it, I remember it being a big dramatic moment when I watched it the first time. But watching it the second time, I'm like, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, like, just, how big is this train? Like, yeah, like, cool. So but why? I I hadn't seen this film before watching um, this tonight. Mm. But the train crash was pretty much the only thing I knew about the film from from the trailers. Basically, or things went at the time. Michael Bay for like. That train crash. Yeah. Mm. And then back to normal film. Yeah. And then a little bit at the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's it, it's a really interesting film. And Kate, did, did you like it? I, I guess is, a, is, is a, an important question here. I think the way that I'd look at it is, would I watch it again? Mm. Yeah, I'd probably watch it again. But I'd probably watch it again in a similar situation to how we watched it, where we talked a lot through the film. Mm. Um, and I think it's a fun film in that respect. Whether I thought it was a capital G good film, mm. I think is a different question. It was just super. Yeah. Like, um, Dean, this is your first time watching it since around the time it came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I've not watched it since. So so how was it revisiting after a decade? Um, look, I, I can still see why I like the things I liked. Mm. And definitely, obviously, you know, 10 years on now, wow, mm. um, my tastes have evolved. But there was a lot of stuff in there that... I think the bones of it are good. I think there's some stuff that are like questionable choices. Um, some stuff that hasn't aged well because now it's a little, it's been overdone mm. as that kind of, obviously at the time this came out, it was a homage to those kind of yeah. older films, the young, young coming of age stories with the young group of friends. Mm. Um, and this kind of came out on the precipice of that. Yeah. But it, since that has been very much overdone and better done yeah. by uh, others. So there was definitely a little bit of that, eh, like, you know, the friendship group I didn't feel was particularly, there wasn't a hell of a lot of chemistry. There was an interdynamics and a few little plot mm. points, but for the most part, you're like, okay, they're serviceable, but not amazing. It it does feel a little bit as though this film is hampered by the fact that Stranger Things exists. Yeah. And like, if, if have we all watched? So it? I've watched yeah. the first season. Yeah. But I've not watched any more than that. I, I feel I'm as generally like, up to date. I feel as though that's that's enough to get the sense of mm. that first season yeah. feels like it was a, a a more well-developed version of this. But also, that is a series. They have seven to eight hours to tell that mm. story, whereas yeah. this has two, less than two hours. Mm. And it does it does seem a little bit unfair mm. to, to, when I was sitting well, there going, it. oh, the, the dad's like Hopper. The, this is mm. this, this mm. character. This is that character. And then yeah. going, but they haven't had anywhere near as enough time you to remember, though, this it. was first... It was first. For yeah. what it's worth, this technically did a lot of those archetypes. They're all obviously all borrowing from that older style of film genre. Mm. They're fitting roles, but... Because the archetypes remind me of a show that I watched a lot of mm. when I was younger, which is Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it's interesting that, like, 
those tropes exist and have existed, but exist and sort of almost sit better in a television environment, yeah. perhaps, than yeah. a film environment, more because you have more time to flesh out why the heck these kids are actually friends and doing this and why, yeah. you know. You have more fun getting mm. to know the group. Yeah. So that then you're invested, there's more stakes. The only character we were really meant to be invested in was Joe, the, the protagonist. And, and uh, the, the female. Uh, Alice. Alice, uh, to some extent. Yeah. Although she I, was... I don't. I, but I feel like that was because their stories became the same yeah, story. she was an extension of him I in, think, in a lot of ways. I think... Um, film boy uh-huh. Charles 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 yeah. um, had an interesting storyline yeah. of the reason I got her involved is because I liked her and I was like ah mm. oh, cool I can justify you now I get why yeah. you're in this and why you're we've been so I like I see he definitely you realise a little by the end that he's very domineering he's oh he's a jerk he I needs would, to grow a bit but I, I really like at the start you, you realise why his friends are kind of gravitating to him he's got this kind of I would describe quite a lot of talent for his age. Oh, yeah. Mm. And he's got this obsession. He wants to make this film, and you see the parts of this film, and you're like, this is really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I could see why his friends would be like, yeah, this is an awesome thing. Let's do it. it you know? It's really fun, because my, my my background before becoming um, a, a weekly podcaster like mm. this, when I was probably a little bit older than these kids, but when I was 15, 16, I was making a lot of films like this at high school when we were doing media studies, and it was really nice watching this and seeing these you know kids trying to shoot their stuff at like the train station and stuff and going we did we did things like that where yeah, we'd like yeah. we'd go into perth on Production the train value. we'd film yeah. on the train um yeah we we, we did uh, like a james bond spoof comedy thing we did a like a semi-serious doctor drama we like we did a zombie film this was all in like a my two friends year and i did a like poirot slash whatever mm. out of my friend's place actually out here hereabouts roughly where we're yeah going. up in the because horses and big property mm. and yeah and good, it, yeah. it very much it was just nice to be like oh that's right that was a really fun thing to do as like a, a young person and and i think they captured that element of being in a gang of kids doing a creative project together really quite well and i think yeah. that's that's something that does drive the the first half of this film really well mm. until we get to the what the the the, the government E.T. E- e- plot basically, but yeah. but with blood this time. <laughs> like it's not a uh, lot though. No, but you know, it was a very yeah. It was a very it was very clean. Lots of people mm. were very clean given how definitely, bashed up they yeah, were. Definitely and... meant to be PG. Yeah, I, was it PG? I believe it was, but it, it feels PG. There's just based off. There's like, no way there's more than one curse word in that. Would, when any, when any, if anyone ever, did I mean, no, they they bullet, do drop. They, know, yeah, they definitely drop at least one f bomb. Yes, but you're allowed one. You're allowed one. <laughs> they said shit, didn't they? Oh no, they said it. They had the, the one of the kids say it. Uh, mouth it. Mouth it. Yeah. There was yeah. lots of swearing, yeah. but not actually. And you're swearing. allowed. You're allowed drug references, but they have to show negative consequences yes. of drugs. So. Obviously, the the stoner uh, uh, friend he missed out on seeing the spaceship because he smoked too much weed, and apparently that's like taking a tranquilizer. And also got made fun of by the, the yeah. PG thirteen was yeah. the yeah, rating. Yeah. So they would have gone broad, and it didn't need it. It didn't need to be. I, I don't think that would the, the film. Would've I don't think it would have made gained anything for some horrible yeah. scenes well, of people I, getting ripped up or anything. One one of the things that I think this film does quite well, and I and I believe that it's part of what. J.J. Abrams was doing with the way that he shot this is that this was very much an adventure from the perspective of Joe and from the the children. And I think that's why, like, the army figures are so stereotypically movie evil. I think that's why the train crash was so big. Because it feels as though that's how you would recall it as a young character. I'm I'm pretty sure in the research I did for this that this was something that he, he focused on. He wanted to try and create something that felt like the children's version of this event and i i i, I kind of like that but so, I, does that imply that the scenes that we don't see are, are, you, are you trying to say that it's an unreliable narrative situation because i think if that's true then we mm. need to lose there's some scenes that you would want to get almost get rid of mm. well but that would also that. that would also like i to to back you up and i'm not buying mm. it just yet but yeah. to back you up a little uh the the, the scenes i point out is Obviously, the military general mm. he straight up uh, murders the, the their teacher, yeah. the guy who crashed the train. But then you notice uh, when the creature attacks the bus, he goes out of his way to attempt to save the kids, let the kids out. Yeah, mm. which doesn't necessarily feel like something someone who was that bad would do, even though just moments before he was trying to like 
take them away and they were like he's going to kill us although I guess the idea of you've got four children locked in the back of your bus and you're not giving them any opportunity to get out Mm. regardless of how much of a jerk you are maybe that's the moment where you go actually I should let you out of the space yeah Yeah. Yeah. so I found found the the trivia point I was referring to a little little jump ahead to the trivia section J.J. Abrams wanted the train crash sequence to be like the kids um, memory of it as opposed to being um realistic he said mm. quote so it's definitely a larger than life ridiculous over the top crash oh, really? but that was really part of the fun of it end quote so so maybe it wasn't for the it's tricky the entire film like he, he's not saying like i don't know it was a bit I, I i didn't hate it but mm. definitely the second review is like whoa it it felt really big like it felt a little out of nowhere like yeah. i think i think they could have because it was out of nowhere mm. don't get me wrong like the crash is this kind of up until that point, it was just a regular kid doing regular things. The crash is, things around. Yeah, we, the crash yeah. was the inciting incident. I think you could have had the same level of impact without, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the destroying thing the thing, the, the, the gas oh tank God. getting punking, flying yeah. across the thing. Uh, yeah. I think you could have had a really impactful moment of just a hmm. brutal train crash and the kids being like, where the f*** did that come from? Hmm. But I no, think no, by the end the of the... the because we're By, by the end of that five-minute sequence yeah. of things going... It was a bit just like, oh, that was kind of immersion breaking. Yeah, Mm. it didn't feel... Because of how much of the film tries to be quite realistic Mm. in terms of people's reactions and the relationships Mm. between some of the characters, like in terms of some of the characters, it feels very, this Mm. is from another movie and we Mm. wanted to shoot it, but we didn't. And so now we've plonked it in this... Yeah, it feels like maybe maybe they're cgi I could also mm. have seen that because look from memory, the train crash was something that was fairly advertised. It could have been, if I'm getting real cynical, it could have been we need a money shot for the trailers mm. and having a big scary. Yeah, and they can't you know? Obviously, they're very deliberately not showing the creature as much as possible. So maybe they they, they needed something to be like, look, it's a movie, it's a big expensive movie, mm. which I actually think was a really good choice. Yeah, not no, showing the creature. I think it's a very old school technique that does not oh. get done enough and every now and then a, a movie horror movies especially do it and you're like yes see this is why people do it it's because your imagination is far scarier than cgi mm. and know? and this is 10 years old yeah. and i thought that generally the cgi held up it's pretty good the train crash looked a bit uh, transformersy um, and the, the yeah the fight stuff the, the weapons tanks and stuff at the end but like yeah. again it's just when they tried to do too big i think but it, for the most part because they obscured a lot of it mm. you understood the creature the physicality of the creature you got the size of it you got the emotion there at the end but you didn't you weren't like oh that's 10 year old cgi you know i agree yeah i think that i like the train crash just because it was a little bit not boring but it was a little bit, I've seen all of this before. Mm. And that's partly, I think, an, an issue with doing something that is such a clear homage to like Spielberg's work. Mm. And it, it's a good homage. Like, mm. Yeah. Like, I, I think he sta- understands his source material. Yeah, like, and st- starting off with you know the, the wake, I think starting at a wake is a really great way mm. of introducing this because it shows, oh, there's a community here and they come together. And I think establishing that community within these you know, in this case, late 70s, but, you know, predominantly 80s um, Americana sort of mystery town things um, is is really important. I think it's something that, again, Stranger Things did really well with the town of Hawkins, although they have a lot more time Mm. in that show. Um, I I think, you know, seeing all the people together at the wake and then, you know, bloody... Uh, yeah, Scully there, just waiting for, uh, just looking for Hitchcock. It was really distracting. <laughs> Scully from Brooklyn Nine Nine there, going like, "Do you think he's going to be okay?" Um, although good acting, he just looks yeah. like Scully because he's Scully. He's Scully. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's hard to disassociate him these but, days. Uh, it was nicely laid, you know, like with um, with Louis turning up and getting thrown in the police yeah. car by by Jack because he was responsible for his wife's death, yeah. and it was it was all nicely laid stuff. But a little bit of me was like, it does need a bit of a kick up the backside, and that yeah. train absolutely provided that even though it was over the top and the ridiculous and to transition into what the science kate how did mr woodward survive driving headfirst into a train in a in a a pickup truck what if he's the martian man maybe maybe he is the zombie after all because Mm. like no what if he's got alien powers from the alien 
given that we saw a shot of him going headlong into the front yeah, of the train, it showed you an exact shot of him directly impacting, impacting the train, didn't square on the front. He hit it. No, he hit it hard, and then you were expecting that. Then, like, what we're shearing, and he suddenly hasn't actually been hit. That I don't buy it, and like, mm. I mean, I could, you know, um, Stephen, you're familiar with the fact that I will often just be like. Argh. Boo, that took me out. It didn't take me out completely. Okay. I was because I because it was so over the top and ridiculous. I was like, well, I, I know you, he's gonna survive because he has like. It's like you, you understand know. him as a plot device, so you're kind of like, yeah. okay. And once you go to that sort of farcical like scale of something like a train cut, mm. I'm just like, all right, like mm. that's gonna happen. It's the same way they all survived the what was the 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 one that was Star Trek but wasn't Star Trek. <laughs> Oh, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Yeah. The crashing the spaceship into the convention center. I'm like, yeah, half of them are dead. Like, mm. but they're not because... But it's the it's a thing. No, but like, the same, but the, for the same reason I didn't yeah. whinge about that. It's yeah. the whole idea of like, okay, sure. Mm. But also... I'd put it up there with that, the police dad escaping a military base. Yeah. Just on a whim and yeah. causing a giant explosion and then just, oh, I'll drive off now. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that makes me go, yes, and your little, your, you know, your dad's little yellow car absolutely was completely unscathed in this mm. giant crash. Like, Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, mm. fine. So, but, I, I guess yeah, then, no. to, to add uh, a different science spin mm. to this section of, what the science? Um, the cubes, the idea of uh, these these small compartmentalized yeah. structures coming together to form a larger structure. Yeah, we'll go with transformium. Uh, yeah, Optimus Primium, whatever the material oh, is. No, that's what it is. Literally, the third Transformers movie. Is it yeah. honestly called Transformium? They, they make an element they call transformium. Okay, and just... it's little particles that transform into stuff, mm. and that's how, like that's how the Transformers do. Well, that's disappointing. They, they do that learn. exact thing of lots of little particles that can yeah. turn into anything. That's disappointing I'm that it's named you. that. But um, aside from that, what what are the uh, I, I suppose possibilities? I mean, of there's that? there's sort of two things that make my like it sort of depends a little bit on how you want to take them, right? Like, mm. so I think for the so for context for listeners, my undergraduate degree is in nanotechnology, so this is actually well and truly in so the wheelhouse. Yeah, absolutely. like sadly, no, Dean, we finally hit. Allow me to explain, man. Dean, we finally hit a science question that is like in Kate's field. Yeah. We've been trying for like ten minutes. We do it. Um, so I think there's sort of two things. I think one, there are things that exist, especially for like scanning cases of fire or other, other places where there's structural, potential structural issues where you don't want to send people in. There are networks of small machines that can do things now. Often it's to do with mapping or finding survivors in big fires or collapsed buildings or mm. whatever. So they don't work together in terms of like all slotting together to make something big, but the systems building stuff Mm. exists um as to the concept of the equivalent of gray goo in sort of the nanotech sphere of like something that's gonna be able to morph into anything Mm. under the assumption that they're maintaining the material that they're made out of there's no reason why you couldn't start looking at stuff because nanotechnology physics fails at a like the normal physics that people understand doesn't work at that scale Mm. but Given the size of the cubes, yeah, I'm not scientifically. Could the cubes themselves be constructs of just, you know, like there's there's no reason the cubes transportation or whatever. Yeah, like I mean, they could unfold and have some other material on the inside or whatever, but they're Mm. more likely to be robots or something equivalent that's reacting to. We mentioned an EMF field while we were watching it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then it is Yeah, but they the... fell apart in the in the film. Yeah. yeah. In the old timey film. Yeah. That that was honestly I did think that at one point. I was like, I would be terrified of making a spaceship out of these things. Yeah, it's basically like making a spaceship you, out of Lego. You get, like, I mean, you get halfway through space and someone puts the wrong frequency near your ship and mm. it's just parts and you're in the back you're in the back of space, yeah. So mm. I think it is statistically unlikely that anyone is going to construct spaceships out of materials like this. But well, like there's You don't not... know what I'm working on. I, I don't, some, but my guess is it's probably. I got not that. some things on the fire. Don't you worry. <laughs> You're cooking up some little nano yeah. spaceships. Yeah. Um, oh well, I mean. Shh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll say no more. Um, to be honest, there isn't a huge amount to this film. Like it, it does feel yeah. as though it, it is a it's real quite simple popcorn flick. Mm. But I, I will say, I think that the acting is is quite good. Um, yeah. Particularly the kids. I think yeah. they they do a great job. I I believe. The characters that they're playing. I think they got time. the banter right too. Mm. There was a few moments where a kid would have a quippy line, and I'm like, if that was today, that camera would 
the, the, they would have to give him that moment of like, Haha, what a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get the sense that you know a lot of their scenes, the kids kind of not quite talking over, but almost talking over each other. And I felt that really made it feel natural. That like, scene in the diner was a yeah. prime example of that, yeah. I think. And it worked really well, just having the two parallel conversations... Mm. Because this is what kids do. This is what people do. In fact, I I would I would compare it to it's a it's a weird comparison, but I compare it to very um, Tarantino esque Mm. in the sense of he writes a lot of his dialogue to happen simultaneously uh, and to kind of talk over it because it's a very natural way to speak. Um, Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I thought they'd all generally. I I don't think there would be a bad performance in the bunch. No, and except maybe no. Who are you thinking? Oh, there was a few cliches, but that's not necessarily a bad. Like, yeah, st- I was going to say that's stone of film guy. Yeah, and, um, stone of film guy, bad, bad army, uh, bad air force guy. Yeah, the, well, the yeah, military sister. guy was like, I'm like, just evil. But but they all acted those parts. Yeah, they well. played. They played yeah. Like at no point did we go, "You're playing the stoner guy bad." <laughs> like, it was. I don't it, know. Bimbo's sister tough. had a couple of moments, like just flash moments. I was just like, oh. Mm. That might just be my reaction to that type of person rather than necessarily... Possibly. I, I, I thought Ellie Fanning was great as Alice. Mm. Yeah, she like, was good. Yeah. Um, she, she hit the right na- like right balance of mm. the only girl in the friend group, but mm. also I actually am deep, like more professional yeah. than She that. was probably the most emotionally intelligent of anyone in the group. Yep. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know, there's, there's always that risk, of especially like, oh, the four young boys doing young boy things and the girl comes in and... Ruins the friendship group. Yeah, there's yeah. there's always a chance for the girls ultimately just be, you know, very. They n- felt a little a little proppy to me, but I'm also. A, I think I think yeah. she was definitely proppy yeah. to a degree, but yeah. I, I appreciate that she had a rounded character, even mm. though she might not have passed the Bechdel test. Oh, this film fails on, on, on mm-hmm. an inordinate number of others. It fails on the physics test. It fails on the Bechdel literally test. Literally fridge the mum before the film even starts. So I don't know if she was literally killed by a fridge. No, no, still beam. Still beam. Still beam. It's still beam. Said in the film. You know <laughs> what I mean when I say fridging, right? I do, yes. Okay, good. Yeah, but, um, Look it up if, uh, if you're listening to this and you don't want the concept we, of... We've, we've discussed it uh, multiple times uh, on this podcast. Cool, all right. But, yes. They should know. They should know what I'm about. Yeah. yeah, but for new listeners, it's when you kill off a female character to advance uh, the main male protagonist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that that does happen in this film to, to Elizabeth. And then she goes damsel. You know. I mean, Alice passes the sexy lamp test. I'll grant her that much. She does, she could not just be replaced by a sexy lamp. Yes, um, <laughs> she does pass that test. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, some tests, yes, but not all. Not all. Um, as as we said before, uh, you can't trust Noah Emmerich, uh, who's playing Colonel Nellick. Just mm. anytime he's in the film, he's like, "You betrayed Truman. We can't. We can't believe you." <laughs> uh, but I thought I thought it was great. I, I to be honest, yeah, that this whole cast are, are good doing a film that is just a bit sort of... I would describe the whole thing as a cliche, yeah. but I would not do it in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. There, like, and we, uh, the, the moment, you know, when the locket flies away, he's holding on to it, and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, that's so corny, that's so... That's not even subtextual in any way. It's so on the nose, hmm. but I'm still watching it and thinking... That's a cool moment. Like, it's, it's, the, it's, it's flying, and then it flips open, and then, has shot, and then it goes clunk you know, neatly onto the. And then his dad's there like, with yeah. him, like you can, yeah. not saying. You there can are moments go, where you can but... just put your cynicism aside and be like, okay. Mm. Yeah, no, it was good, and also um, a, a cameo in this film for um, the voice of Homer Simpson, mm. Dan Castellaneta. Was he the the guy uh, the car shop? He was. Yeah, I, I thought I recognised him. Yeah, 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 he that was him in a. I, what I hope is a dreadful wig. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it, it, it's a fun film and it, it's very much, I'd, I, if the only yeah. primary criticism I would give is it's too long. I think yeah. you could have cut yeah, 20 it is minutes off it. It's hundred percent too it's, long. Just showing two hours, just showing two hours. It's, it's an hour and 50. But what? the plot itself is fairly streamlined and could be more streamlined. Yeah. Um, but, in some pretty simple ways. But, but like the there time, was definitely a few scenes where I was like, that doesn't service anything. Yeah. But but I also feel as though I'm glad we have a bit of that time and that it's not a ninety minute film because we get that little bit more time with these characters mm. and like I because I didn't catch every kid's name the first time round. I still don't know Pukey Glasses Boy's name. No, neither do I. I, I know <laughs> Preston, the one. That I just got left know that behind. he looks like yeah. he's in his mid twenties when the other one. There's, there's Preston, the one who got left behind. There's kid who a hundred percent would have been my friend and helped me blush it up. There's like you know. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. Carrie was great. Carrie was great. I, I, I loved his big old seventies braces that oh he had like, 
Yeah. yeah. Why didn't his teeth fly up towards that metal water tower at the end? Yeah. Why didn't the guy's it was weapon fly up? Like there was a point we saw someone's weapon and then a couple more weapons go and then we saw another scene where an entire car got lifted up <laughs> next to a bloke gun. who was just casually <laughs> holding his gun. And also Alice's dad was also wearing a necklace. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say it's space moving. technology it was drawing in the metals it needed or something. Mm. Sure. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the kid, pukey kid with the glasses, uh, his name was Martin, funnily enough. Martin. Cool. There we go. Like that tracks. Steve Martin. I mean, Just Martin. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. All, all in all, pretty fun. Yeah, I'd say yeah. not bad. Not yeah. bad. Watchable again. I, I can see why I enjoyed it. I like the ending. I, I think I said before, I like, I like mm. that there, there's so many other ways they could have handled the ending of the big scary monster take anyone and there's something to that nice moment of him just being like, hey man, like... You can you know, leave, it's cool. Trauma f- sucks, but like you can just go, go home. Yeah. Stop lashing out at the world and just like, you know. Yeah, I... Part of me did go, okay. <laughs> like, it did have that thing of going... It worked for me. On, on second viewing as an older individual, it might not have worked, but it worked mm. for me when I was 21. See, and uh, I, you know. yeah. See, this is the thing. I watched it and I, I, will, pa- I will preface this by saying... I'm a fan of Steven Universe. I'm a fan of where the story is resolved by a young boy talking it out with the alien and the alien realizing I have learned the error of my ways. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it necessarily worked in this film. No? Ex- ex- Saw your connection, remember? When it touched you. Uh, yeah, but, but I feel, and I think it, it maybe just gets away with it because of that. But, but for me, I wasn't entirely buying it. Kate. I think the thing that, I, I agree with you. I, I don't entirely buy it. But I think the reason I don't entirely buy it is because we don't actually have enough time mm. of Joe dealing with his trauma yeah, it to is, align it, is all it with very background-y. the trauma. Like, it's so backgroundy. And it's. I'm not saying that we need to have it thrust to the foreground mm-hmm. a lot, but it's yeah. it's almost like it's there's almost... that one... There's a scene at the start. There's the one scene with him and Alice watching the movie of the mum. Mm. And that's kind of all we get of we get it the, because they're running around doing... Throughout. He, we he, we he never does... see his moment to kind of overcome yeah. it. I, I would have... I think, if I may add like a nitpicky moment, or yes. like a, I think what they probably needed was to show in some way, visualise the connection between the two of them. Yeah. Like when he picked him up, like, like it wouldn't have... Something where like, you know, he gets flashbacks of his mum and the aliens gets flashback of like... Uh, being tortured or something. You I mean, know, you could like 100% have used a lens flare to like, connect their brains just or have, something. Just have that moment where they both go, oh, I understand you mm. and you understand mm. me, you know. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, the film gets there, but I, I just mm. don't think it communicates it as strongly as it could. And I think that's yeah. why, I was like, I, that's why I agree with yeah. you. That like, it, it, I know what it's trying to do and I think mm. it does that, but mm. I don't think it does it well. Yeah. And so I don't know that it works on everyone. I mm. think, I th- yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of I honestly like the dads. I would have cut them all together. I think have them in the background and then just have them be an obstacle to a point. Like I didn't need to see the dads perfectly resolve all their issues. It almost feels as though they were cut from, from my viewing. Like a, yeah. a lot of what they were doing felt like it had been trimmed down. Because was he gets obviously he's investigating, but he's not really investigating. He's got the other police, but they're doing nothing. And then he gets arrested, and then he escapes. And he drives to the thing, the kids aren't there, mm. so then he goes after the kids and he gets the other dad to help him. They finally have their moment mm. and then they arrive and it's resolved. Yeah. So throughout all that, it seems like the only reason the dad was an obstacle and then he got removed and then he came back at the end. Mm. Yeah. It I just there I was... guess the question is how do you get the dad from being grumpy deputy dad to like because I think they her dad her dad is feels guilty. Feels guilty mm. because she gets taken, and then therefore, like that. So yeah, she, yeah. he's resolved he by yeah. her getting taken, See, and then her finding her again. Maybe at the end. we needed that. Maybe we needed, you know, his dad was going to go get him, and, and it was her dad who insisted he come with. That's a bad. I think it's, a, it's backwards. Yeah, and again, I feel that's something that maybe the the Duffer brothers in creating Stranger Things watched this film and went this is maybe something that we can work on more, mm. but but with the advantage of having more stuff because I feel yeah. as though. Obviously, I'm obviously I'm going to feel that Jim Hopper is a better, better character because we have seasons to get to know that character. But also, the what it was missing was that the the, um, the alliance between 
the kids in the town and the adults in the town. Mm. There wasn't really much there beyond like getting the stoner guy to drive them by making Charles's sister flirt with mm. him for that scene. Um, Can we start a relationship by me asking a favor? Yeah. Is going to be is going to go down in those like uncomfortable watching yeah. moments for me. But I think also as as viewers, we know that this is not going anywhere. Like that that is very much like the the. Yeah. primary oh, no, trickery of, of sneaky kids but you're right you're watching it and going oh i hate boy. that you're doing that yeah well, this is upsetting on very many levels yeah. yeah um but yeah aside from that it was pretty fun yeah <laughs> i think definitely could have cut down the random going through town whilst every piece of military equipment apparently oh that fires was... and reloads continuously fun, in random though. directions just seeing a tank go over a playground like come on i don't know but you could have done i don't know it just it was a moment of just like what but the, the, the tanks have been taken over by the... Who gives a crap? I'm sorry. Everything's like, going haywire. So when did you reload the tank to fire another shell? Also, pew-pew laser tanks? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. It was, it was a lot. My gun! My old school M4 <laughs> 80s rifle apparently has electronics. It's going haywire. Oh, better point it off in the distance yeah. so that it looks visually appealing. Don't... Just cut uh, the safety. Uh, put the safety on it. But we, but we put so much uh, money and budget into getting these tanks, we have to use them for as many things as we humanly can. Mm. It looked cool, yeah. and at that point, I, I didn't see the film turning it around for being the gritty, realistic take on this no, situation. No. Like it was, it was, it was coming. It was coming. It was fantasy. Yeah. Would you guys like some trivia about Super Eight? No. Well, that's it, folks. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Right. I'd like some, Stephen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. I will begrudgingly listen to these. What do you call them? Um, trivia tidbits. Oh, disgusting. All of these trivia tidbits are taken from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. Blame IMDb. Yes. Uh, the first bit of trivia. Uh, Ellie Fanning was 12 years old when they were making this film. She does not look 12 years old. She definitely film. looks older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how old was the rest of them um, I'm going to say similar ages Um, but because she was 12 years old when they were filming the driving scene it was illegal for her to actually drive that car so they had a stump person driving the car with a mini steering wheel and monitor in the back seat JJ Abrams uh, was quoted in the commentary as saying what's weird is that's legal (laughs) end Mm. quote so yeah you can legally have a stump man driving the car remotely in the back you can't have 12-year-old Ellie Fanning driving mm. it in the front. Which actually makes sense, because if you think about how uh, people get their driver's licenses, you've got second sets of pedals and stuff in a lot of um, driving instructor cars, mm. so you can't actually control the car from another part of the vehicle. It doesn't. Nothing says that your car has to be controlled from the front. Look, the I was, front on, seat, the seat that we I was on a shoot where it was. I was an extra in a car, and legally they didn't want to pay for any of the insurance around people driving cars or having cars so we had to turn all the cars off and take the keys out Mm. and we were sitting in traffic for about four hours in the middle of summer in the city Uh, and it was all because they just you know there was laws around if you Mm -hmm. if you can have keys in the car you have to have all these checks and balances you know Mm. yeah um when i got to do some filming for uh, abc for um, the heights uh, uh, dr Ellen was and I a trailer, extras. Wasn't it? yeah so we were in a, we were in a montage sequence where one of the characters had become an uber driver and we were seeing their first night and so the the uber car that they were in was set up with a camera going through into the windshield and then a couple of others pointed but that uber car was on top of a trailer of mm. a larger truck that then drove around the streets of perth to give the impression of you know, the car was moving, but um, all that the actor playing the driver was doing was, you know, moving the wheel in time with when the truck was moving. And meanwhile, you know, uh, Dr. Alan and I were playing a couple making out in the back seat, yeah, but then there I was... I just want to make sure all the listeners know if they want to look that up, if they want to see... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh... Dr. Ellen Sears and yep. soon to be Dr. Stephen Platt, absolutely uh, Mackin. Yep. Uh, uh, season that is two, available to you. Season two, episode three. I like, view is free in Australia. Like three minutes in, it's 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 there. Um, yeah, that was a really fun shoot. Um, but, but 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 I should gift that. I think you should. should. Please do. Um, but but more to, more to the point. Um, yeah, the the fact is is that again, w- that car was not allowed to be legally no. operated. Mm. Um, and I do think it is interesting that the the way the, the way the laws are we, we, we play around with them to, to get the shots we want. Do we know where this was filmed? That's a good um, question. Because it could have been on a set. Because if it's filmed anywhere. on a set that might be different. And also it might be different depending on which country slash state you're mm. doing it in in different parts of the world. Mm. Oh, it could have been anywhere. 
Mm. Countryside was pretty nondescript. The film yeah. was shot in West Virginia. Okay. Yeah, okay. So they just might be do like that's the thing. So there's a lot of different state laws when it comes to mm. the US um, in that that respect because mm. uh, I looked into the option of driving across the country and there's some law changes that happen as you go across and it's fun. Yeah. Curious. Originally, when the boys were sitting and waiting for Alice to pick them up, they were supposed to just talk. However, J.J. Abrams heard the boys singing together between takes and reshot the scene to have them singing My Sharona. That was uh, quite a nice little scene. Yeah, I like it. No, it's good. Yeah. Uh, again, definitely one of the things mm. the film did well is establish that you got that they hang out. Yeah, it felt, it felt real enough that, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, as teenagers, J.J. Abrams and his friend Matt Reeves, director of Cloverfield and Let Me In, were hired by Steven Spielberg to restore some of his Super 8 home movies. Right. It's a little bit incestuous, this production, mm. but mm. it's also, that's kind of nice. Yeah, and I, I was thinking as well, this very well could have been part of the Cloverfield universe mm. and you would not have bet an eye. No, yeah. that's right. It just feels as though it took a couple of notes from... Cloverfield and the way that was put together. Um, speaking of Super 8 films, the Super 8mm footage seen in the movie was shot in 16mm. Uh, this was in order to give the visual effects team enough resolution to work with. Yeah. It was then degraded to yeah. Super 8. So it That's was pretty common. Yeah. I know. You can't match the, um, the aperture rate, basically. No. The frame rate. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. So, so unfortunately, it isn't, it isn't true Super 8, but close enough. I would say. Yeah. Uh, this is the only film directed by J.J. Abrams that doesn't feature what? We know it's not lens flare, but what's it's something, else? Flare. What's something else? Only film by J.J. Abrams that, that doesn't, doesn't feature something that is in all of the other films he has directed. Is it an object? No. Is it, it a... Oh. Can you give us a clue? It is a human being. There oh, is, I have no I I've, I do not pay enough attention. I'm trying to figure out who's not in this. There is a person. Is is some, does someone make a cameo in every single film he does? It must do, except for this one. It's a little bit more than a cameo normally, though. There is there is an actor who J.J. Abrams uses okay, hang on. In, in every other film. So think Star right. Wars. Think who was in Star Wars and also in Star Trek? And Mission Impossible. Oh, Simon Pegg? Simon Pegg! Yeah. This is the only film of his without Simon Pegg. Oh, this is the problem the where I... Because I haven't seen the new Star Wars films, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea, guys. Like, I'm, I'm out. I mean, <laughs> I don't have Simon Pegg. Admittedly, Simon Pegg is, like, under a lot of makeup in the yeah, Star but, Wars Yeah, but, but, but still that moment of, like, that's mm. the kind of person who I'd pay attention to. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he wasn't. He was just under a lot of... <laughs> he was Maybe one of the... He was the alien. Mili- you know? He was the military guy who didn't go overseas. Yeah. So, yeah. During post-production, Judd Apatow was shown some completed footage and praised it as, quote, awesome. J.J. Abrams subsequently placed Apatow in the special thanks section of the credits, which... <laughs> I love Judd Apatow. What a yeah. suck-up. Yeah. No, but what, what we're hearing is J.J. Abrams is very easy to impress. Uh, so, hey, J.J., whatever film you're working on next, it's awesome. Mm. And we look forward to our appearance in the, in the credits and the special thanks. Hey, J.J., I don't think what you're working on next is awesome. Mm. I'm going to need you to impress me. Mm. And maybe if, if you do a good job, then you can put me in the special thanks. There is going to be well, a brand new no thanks feature. Just, just to I, be clear, I'm trying to neg J.J. Abrams right what now. What I love about that, though, is I didn't know that. And Freaks and Geeks was Judd Apatow's first yep. like, major creation. And that's yeah. exactly what I just compared this to. Mm. <laughs> so um, You can that, definitely see a lot of the influences between yeah. different filmmakers. Mm. The video release has a supplement called Do You Believe in Magic? Showing director of photography Larry Fong doing magic tricks for the cast and crew <laughs> and Tom Cruise, who just turned up on set one day, apparently. Of course he did. So, yeah. yeah. Praise Zeno. Yeah, just know somewhere... He just showed up and made everyone feel just a little bit uncomfortable yeah. at his energy level. <sighs> yeah, one of those days, Tom Cruise was running around there. Hey, kids. Uh, how you feed him levels? <sighs> When Charles Riley Griffiths drinks from an open soda bottle in the house, the drinking sound effect that is heard was used for Curly Howard in the Three Stooges films. Oh. Great. Yep. That Um, changes my whole outlook on the film. It just feels like a really strange, intimate detail Mm. that someone's gone, I'm going to throw in the Three Stooges drinking sound effect. It's the new new Wilhelm scream. Mm. Mm. The glug, 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 glug. 
It was composer Michael Giacchino's idea that there should be no music during the train crash, which, one, was effective, but two, sounds like Michael wanted the day off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of the soundtrack in general? Well, I mean, it had ELO's I... Don't Bring Me Down, so it's it's a hit as far there as I'm concerned. There was a few, obviously, homage to songs of the time, but I actually found it to be quite not, not, not great. I thought it was very on the nose. I thought it was... Yeah, the, I didn't. I didn't find I, any particular subtlety. It was all just, whoa, you know, if something bad happens, they play the bad guy music. There were good moments of diegetic music mm. in it, mm. but I don't know that the rest of it was anything to write home about. No, no. There, was, there was nothing outstanding, and like you know, the bits that were meant to evoke um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind did that, and the bits yeah. that were meant to be like, here come the bad guys. Like it was a bit where we were like, that sounds like Star Wars. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. almost. When he's yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah, but you know what? This film isn't really a film that was trying to be subtle, and I think no. Yeah, Giacchino. It's a brick for sure. Yeah, Giacchino generally does good scores, and I think that this no, score was bad. Is... I guess I just I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I always thought it was very heavy-handed. Yeah, no. I was like, mm. I get it. I know how to feel. Mm. You don't need to keep reminding me of whether there's tension or not. Mm. And part of me wonders if that's partially to do with the fact that we are now exposed to so many more films like. This mm. and mm. things like this that we know how to, we know how to feel. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, Ryan Lee, who played uh, Carrie, already had braces, but because they were in the modern style, the production removed them and replaced them with oh actual clunky yes. late seventies braces. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, because I mean it's it's oh. still doing the same job. It's just that they're, they're a lot less inconvenient. They're oh. so much more uncomfortable, though. Well, I have to imagine they would be. That's lacerating the inside, like. Modern ones lacerate the inside of your face. Live alone mm. the old school ones as a former braces mm. child. So oh, just on commitment. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Ryan Lee. And uh, hopefully he's got a nice, good set of dentures now. Yeah. The final bit of trivia. J.J. Uh, Abrams wanted to end the film with a shot of the kid looking up towards the sky as the ship flew into the atmosphere. But, quote, it was literally the end of E.T. So mm. we didn't, end quote. Mm-hmm. They kind of did. They, they kind of did. They, shot. Yeah, they just showed it. You know what they did? They had it disappearing into a lens flare, which was just <laughs> yeah. the most JJ thing he could have done. How many lens flares was it, Stephen? Well, I counted 63. Okay, um, that's it was definitely nothing. more than that. It was definitely more than that. But like, there was definitely yeah. more than that. There was some. That's that... not almost one every two minutes. Yeah, it was. It was a lot, and um, I didn't think they were horrible. You guys didn't like them. Most of the time they were okay, but sometimes it was literally like somebody had just gotten a crayon and wiped it across the mm. television screen. Yeah, especially especially with how... Especially in some of the darker scenes, with mm-hmm. how much it was... like. And I know... Look, we definitely have a few of those moments where you're like, where's that coming from? Yeah. <laughs> when they're going down into the cave. Yeah. Where, no, is, that that lens, where is that lens flare? Yeah. Um, I don't hate lens flares. I, I don't love them as much as, say, J.J. Aaron yeah. does. Uh, but I, I, you know, I can watch my Star Wars and my Star Treks and yeah, and and be like, yeah, cool. That's that's there's something to it. It's a visual mm. style. Well, I mean, we said at one point um, that I, I don't dislike them, and I think that there were like you could 100 percent have more than your average one, average like films load in this film, mm. but there was still too many. Like yeah. it's that thing of like, mm. I'm okay with them. I'm okay with you having a bunch no. of them. I needed more. This was too many. Okay, it was like, you can have I would a blue. Like you can have it entirely blue. Super lens flare. But like eight. The little film at the end, there was one. Yeah, they yeah. put one in the super. And I'm like, <laughs> there were definitely more than one. You shined a torch at the screen, you would have had more. I, than lo- that. I also noticed how, and I think we noticed this was up until the train cra- until the train scene. Just yeah. before, there was none. None. No. So the first 15 minutes, nothing, and then it's like once we <laughs> once we've opened the the floodgates, it's like here they are. Yeah. It's like he forgot. It's it like was... halfway through, he went, "Ooh, that looks pretty cool," yeah. and that started oh. a journey for JJ Abrams into the lens flare territory. It's almost like J.J. Abrams is Homer Simpson from that episode where he insists that every transition is a star wipe. Star wipe. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I found my thing and I'm going to use it. And you know what? You do you, J.J. Power to him. So we've got to score this film now. And Kate, Ooh. you get to go first. Yeah. What score would you give Super 8 out of 10? So I enjoyed it. And I'm, I mean, we're, we're pulling it apart a bit. Hmm. But we're not pulling it apart nearly as much as we have some films. Um, we're gonna give it like six. 
Yeah, let's go with six. Put a question mark on it because that was the delivery. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was. I'm, I'm. I'm sitting between six and six and a half, basically. But like, yes. I'm going to say six to be on the conservative. Six point two five side. Hmm. Um, more than like six point three. Like uh, six uh, extras mugging it in the background. Yeah, <laughs> out of out of ten. Preston was so good in that. So good. Just mouth open. I know I could talk on a phone and then. <laughs> <laughs> and, so good and then just completely forgetting they're supposed to be doing that and just watching the leads and like that's I've met that person I've seen that person oh do God. that exact thing yeah, yeah. Um, what about you Dean what would you give this film uh, out of 10 I'm actually probably something similar um, I want to emphasize look, it's a good film it's not a great mm. film um, if you haven't seen it I'd say watch it if you got a night of if there's a better film out there to watch probably mm. watch that I, I'm going to give it six yeah I'm going to give it six uh, old timey horrible braces out of ten. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I'm very much of a mind. I think it's it it, it it's definitely well made, and I think mm. that 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 is actually very something confident. that that helps yeah. with this. Watching film. this made me want wish that Abrams would make some more original stuff again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is pretty much his only original because obviously film. this, but it's not. It's an original, but it's very much a homage. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's obviously now become known as the guy who kind of. Um, nostalgia baits everyone. Yeah, and he jumps on pre-existing franchises. But I'd love to see like like a new thing from him because I thought this was pretty competent. Yeah, and I think he's a better director today than he was then. Mm. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to see some yeah some original some original JJ would be something something mm-hmm. to kind of shake off the Star Wars where he hasn't got as much um, studio oversight and he can just make something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I'm gonna give it six and a half. Six and a half lens flares out of ten. Hey, I'm using it. Yeah, sixty-four lens flares. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. End of review. Yeah. Uh, Kate and Dean, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Cheers, Bob. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. We have a Patreon. Uh, you can find us there at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And for as little as a dollar a month, um you can get extra content. Maybe, I don't know, we'll talk about our favourite lens flares from films. Then if we can reach, what's your milestone? My milestone? What's mm. your What's your next uh, Patreon milestone that you'd like to hit? I wouldn't mind a million a month. All right. <laughs> if we can hit a million a month, yeah. we will do this entire podcast mm. in, a, in our bathing suits in a hot tub to get around Twitch restrictions. Okay. But we you, won't film it, of course. It'll no, no, it'll be. But I'm audio. assuming we'll, can, we'll just we'll just do it. They'll yeah. hear they'll hear the lewdness. Yeah. It'll basically doing. be this episode, but with <laughs> in the background. We will do an entire podcast <laughs> in a hot tub. underwater. We will watch hot tub will time drown. machine we'll in, a, in a hot, hot tub. In a, in a, that's, I yeah. think that's actually genius. Yeah. yeah. Well, for a million dollars a month, <laughs> that's what we'll do it for. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're also available on Facebook you can find us there just by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club and we can be subscribed to on iTunes SoundCloud Spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts find us there that's all for this week though until next time goodbye bye bye You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.